everyone, Michael Unger here with another episode of Let's Innovate, a BC Science Fair Foundation podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. In this season, we're going back to talk to past participants in science fairs to get their perspective on their experience and find out where their passions lie. And today I'm super excited to be joined by Chermi Fan. Hi, Chermi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, so, Jeremy, I would love to dive into a bit of your science fair experience, and we're going to walk through a bit of your history. You're now at the University of Calgary. We'll get there. But let's go back in time, and uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, what science fair was like for you? Yeah, so I, I, I attended Sir Winston Churchill High School in Vancouver, and um, as a part of our program, we had to all do a science fair project. And of course, some people put a little bit more work into it than others. And being the big nerd that I was, I just went full out um, on my science fair project and it just blossomed from there. Um, and then I went on into the regional science fair and we didn't expect that I would get very far. So we were ready to leave. And then they told me that I made it to the Canada wide science fair. And so it just kind of went from there. Awesome. Well, um, you went full nerd. Could you tell us a little bit about the projects that you went full nerd on? The first project that I had was in grade 10. It was called The Signature of Leaves. And essentially, I was trying to find, um, well, initially, I was trying to, uh, I'm interested in biology. And um, I was trying to decide, you know, do I work on Mm -hmm. plants, animals? Um, And you know, it is very difficult to work on animal studies. Um, it's hard to get ethical um, approval as a student. So um, right. I decided to go into botany. And I noticed um, one night I was, I, you know, I, I collect leaves <laughs> at the time. And I was holding a leaf up un, um, under the light. And I noticed the vein patterns in the leaves. And I thought, you know, um, I wonder how people go about classifying different species of plants, right? And so when you look through the botany um, books, it's all about shapes. They're descriptive words. Um, Whereas I was thinking, you know, what if we standardized it a little bit more and found a mathematical way of identifying species Mm. of plants? And so um, I created this algorithm that essentially... um, turned the shape and characteristics of the vein patterns of leaves into a mathematical graph and using that to identify different species. Now, um, how, how practically applicable it is, I'm not quite sure, but I had a lot of fun. Um, I'm all about um, interdisciplinary um, ideas and projects. I like to gather um, ideas and inspiration from a variety of different sources and bring them together. And so I think that first project was um, a really, uh, really represented my personality in that sense. Like you never thought that you would link the two and two together. So yeah, I had a lot of fun with that project. Interesting. So biology was something kind of like fell into, it sounds like animals and, um, and animal biology was sort of like where you wanted to go into. And that's eventually what you transitioned when you went to university. You started off getting your bachelor's in animal biology at UBC. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So um, I I started off in animal biology. I knew that I always wanted to work with animals, but I just wasn't quite sure in what field exactly. And um, and then I did a um, like a Uh, directed studies with a lab um, in my third year of university. And um, I was really interested in embryology. So um, I always thought, you know, it's, it's insane how 
a supposedly completely symmetrical cell can differentiate and divide and form into such a complex structure. So how do you inform the cell from the egg um, to divide asymmetrically in one direction or versus the other and grow more this way versus the other way? And I just found embryology really fascinating. And so I went into work with uh, Dr. Joy Richman at, um, she was actually in the faculty of dentistry. Um, and we studied mm -hmm. uh, the cranial facial development of chicken embryos. And so that was sort of my first taste into research. And I really enjoyed um, all the hands-on aspects of the study. And I, um, in, for my thesis, I developed a virus that uh, helps us study retinoic acid and how uh, essentially vitamin A and how it affects cranial facial development and the development of cleft palates, all using chicken embryos. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting. So if we kind of connect those two worlds when you're in science fairs, uh, do you think that there was anything in your science fair experience that helped you once you got into, um, you know, animal biology at UBC and you were working on all of these interesting projects? I think I've always been sort of a person that thinks outside of the box and the science fair projects were, were that for me because, you know, I had to be, I had to get creative working on, um, an interesting project in biology that doesn't involve animals because I didn't really want to go down that route. Um, and mm. so um, just drawing inspiration from a variety of different things. And, and I, I am also, I, I would consider myself as an artist. Um, and so I think drawing from my appreciation for aesthetics and patterns and shapes um, that uh, a lot of that went into my science fair projects and and embryology is a lot about spatial orientation and three-dimensional structures and how different things grow in a three-dimensional space. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of that, you know, my, uh, my passion in, for art, biology, and, and interdisciplinary um, uh, sort of topics really all play together in that. Interesting. So you say that you you consider yourself an artist. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. Well, um, what art did you get involved in, and how did that start? Okay, so um, I, I I've always um, loved art since I was little. Um, my dad taught me how to draw as a kid, and um, and I've always taken art classes in high school and then in university. I went, um, I took uh, sculpting throughout my four years. And, um, and then now I actually started my own art biz business. I make Christmas cards and I do custom drawings and paintings and sculptures. Oh, nice. So yeah, it's, I have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of that plays into my science as well, right? Because, um, art isn't just about aesthetics, it's about precision too. And that you can Im imagine that's very important when you're working on um, th things as small as, say, a chicken embryo that's, you know, um, smaller than, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm looking around my house and trying to figure out what's, what an embryo is, is uh, comparable to, but they're really small. <laughs> And uh, what we had to do is yeah. we would have to implant little beads into certain uh, places in the developing face. And then the beads would release a certain factor or chemical or protein that would affect development. And so we had to be very um, steady handed. 
Interesting. Okay. So the next part of your career is that once you finished at UBC, you uh, then went on to the University of Calgary and you started to go back, I guess, what I call your roots, back to um, veterinary medicine. And that's where you started um, there. So what um, inspired you to take that next leap in your career? Well, initially, um, after after graduating, um, we moved to Calgary and I my first job in Calgary actually wasn't at the university. It was at the Calgary Zoo. So um, I've always wanted to work at, okay. at the zoo. And um, so I I worked as a tour guide. <laughs> and that was quite the experience. And then while I was working at the zoo, I really wanted to, it gave me time to reflect on what I wanted to do as my next step. And I wanted to go back into the lab. And because that's where I'm happy, I really enjoy the lab, the wet lab work. And then so I started applying for jobs at the University of Calgary um, as a technician. And then I found my boss, who was uh, it, at the time a new PI. So he had also just moved to Calgary like myself. And so um, we essentially started the lab together. And this lab was in neurosciences. So at the time, um, you know, I didn't take a single neuroscience course in my undergrad. So it was definitely a steep mm-hmm. learning curve. But, you know, a challenge was uh, never stopped me before. So um, we uh, so we started the lab together and I started to learn more about neurosciences. And then I became really interested in the in the um, the uh, projects that he had in the lab. And at the time, we were studying P2X7 receptors in chronic pain. And so I started my mm. project in the lab. Well, my boss asked me um, if I would do a PhD with him. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, but in retrospect, I think um, he was probably just wanting to pay me less and get me to do more work. So <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I started my PhD with him. And that was quite the journey, too. Um my first project into my PhD was supposed to be very straightforward. We were looking at this, uh, um, this protein called Panexin-1 um, and how that impacts neuropathic pain in rodents. And, um, and we found some interesting sort of uh, effects. We found sex differences. So the, when you block the protein in the spinal cord of rodents, um, it has, it alleviates pain more so in the males than it does in the females. So that just led us down this whole rabbit hole of trying to figure out what it was that was different between the two. And so, um, so for the, the next, I guess, six years of my life after that, um, I was very dedicated to diving into the sex differences thing. And it, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's definitely um, more than double the work, <laughs> but um, it's very rewarding. Right. I think it's a very uh, interesting and also a very um, important topic to cover because um, up until probably the last decade or two, most of the pain studies have been done in males, uh, male models. And um, however, most mm. of the chronic pain patients are female. So if there are indeed sex differences at the molecular level, in terms of chronic pain mechanisms, then we're not looking at the right targets, right? So, um, right. yeah, so like I, yeah, it, that took it, over. <laughs> that's really interesting. So if um, we could just focus in on chronic pain just for a second, um, for any, if anyone's sure. listening and is um, hearing uh, these words, like how would you define chronic pain? Like if somebody comes to a doctor, you know, it seems like very 
broad, but obviously you're sort of a honing in on some specific issues. So how do you define chronic pain? Well, chronic pain as defined by the pain society is, I think it's, it's pain that persists um, for three or four months and beyond that. And typically chronic pain uh, persists even after the initial injury has completely healed. So if you had a surgery done and you still have the wound and it's still healing and it's in pain, that's not chronic pain because the injury is still there. But patients who suffer from chronic pain actually don't have any observable injuries or disease that you can um, see, but they feel it. And so that's that's the challenge there, right? Is that some you know, in the past, there was a lot of stigma saying that these patients, you know, they're just making it up. It's not real because we can't Mm -hmm. see any problems. But that doesn't mean that the problem isn't there. Interesting. So um, if we catch all the way up to current, um, you're still at the University of Calgary as a research technician finishing off some projects. Um, And uh, I see on your bio that you're also... um, uh, and uh, a dog trainer. Uh, well, what are some <laughs> of the things that you're up to these days? Um, so I'm still trying to finish that project on the sex differences at work. It's kind of like, you know, with signs, you don't ever get instant gratification. <laughs> Whenever you discover something new, then you're like, oh, but so what then? What's next, right? So every time we find something interesting, it opens up another right. whole can of worms of what we can look at next. So I'm trying to wrap it up. Fingers crossed our goal is that next summer I'll submit my paper for publication. But um, while I'm doing that, I actually started my own dog training business (laughs) um, in Calgary. And so I've always been really um, interested in dog behavior and training. And I compete in a variety of dog sports with my own dogs. So um, I decided to start my own business doing that as well. And so um, that's been going really well as as well. And along with my art business, (laughs) I have a lot of hobbies. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Well, Trimmy, I've loved hearing your story. This has been an amazing conversation. Uh, We're just wrapping up. Um, Are you able to stick around for some rapid fire questions? Sure. All right. Here are your rapid fire questions, Chermi. Let's start with where you get your best ideas. In science, I think my best ideas come from just following the data, right? I I don't like to go into a project making assumptions as to what I should expect to see. Um, So if I see something cool, I go with it. So I think a lot of the times, um, a lot of the times the most interesting findings come from that, right? When you go into a project with expectations, Mm. then you're narrowing your field of view and you're not looking elsewhere. So I like to go into a project, just try it out and see what happens. If it doesn't work, that's fine. Now we know it doesn't work. Go to the next step. And I I like to gather um, all the different information and then make my decision after that. Um. In terms of everyday life, I follow any I follow everything that makes me happy. I guess so, you know, if dogs make me happy, I do all my dog stuff. If I love to draw, <laughs> then I start an art business yeah. and that makes me happy. So, I think I think that's important, right? Like we we need to love what we do in order for us to be happy and I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Uh, next rapid fire question for you. Uh, is there a piece of media, a book, movie or video game that has had the most influence on you? I would say my favorite book is Life of Pi. 
Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've read it or okay. I think there was a movie that came out, although it wasn't as good as a book. Although I'm never the person that always says that the book is better, but the book was better in this case. Um, but um, I, I won't spoil the ending, but um, what I really enjoyed about the book was that the message is that the truth isn't always the best thing that sometimes having a little bit of creativity and adding a little bit of color to your story can sort of spice it up a little bit. And I like to add a lot of color to my life. And um, so mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely a book worth looking into. I think it's uh yeah, it's very much my personality, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly some animal human connections in the theme yeah, of the story as well. For sure. Uh, final question, Chermi, uh, do you have any advice for future science fair participants? I would say draw your inspiration from what's around you, right? Um, I think a lot of students, when at least when I was in high school and we were thinking of uh, science fair topics, um, a lot of the students were looking into, oh, um, you know, what kind of science fair projects were done before? Um, what can they do at home? And I think, well, you know, that's that's fine. Um, I personally like to think outside of the box. If I uh, sort of like my science research, right? Like I, um, instead of going into the project say, saying, okay, these are the type of projects I can do. I look around me and I observe and I listen and I look for inspiration in, you know, everyday life. And then if there's a question that comes to mind, how do I answer it? You just go from there. Awesome. Uh, well, Jeremy, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us here on Let's Innovate. Uh, you have a art business. You also have a, uh, a dog training business. Uh, are there um, is there a place that people can go to learn uh, about those? Well, my uh, my art business is called Big Wheat Mini Wheat. <laughs> and uh, my uh, dog okay. training is called Flying Potatoes. Um, it will be very obvious why um, those names were there uh when uh when you visit my facebook pages but um yeah <laughs> okay check out big weed to mini wheat and check out flying potatoes uh thank you so much uh Chirmy, for joining us here on let's innovate if you uh and thank you everyone else there for listening on this season of let's innovate we'd love to hear from you uh about how you're enjoying this season you can uh contact us you can go to our website sciencefairs.ca and you can also follow us on social media we're on instagram and on twitter um my name is michael unger you can find me on there as well until next time let's innovate